Hey everybody, welcome to Reese's Peace again. Uh, this is episode 41 now. It is June 3rd, it's Thursday. It's, uh, it's about 5.45 local time here in Denver, in the PM that is. It is hot, folks. Summer is is here. <laughs> For the last couple of days, it's been nice and cool. Been the highs maybe in the mid-70s, and today it's like mid-80s, high-80s. I miss winter already, and I know my uh, my my folks in Milwaukee always used to get pissed off at me when I used to say that. When summer would come around in Milwaukee, it would just get like dreadfully humid and gross and sticky and, and hot, and uh, I, w- I would say to them, I, I miss winter. You know, I miss... I miss winter if if for nothing else just because it was dry. Uh, so with that in mind, I am glad that I am not experiencing another Milwaukee summer. But at the same time, it's freaking hot out here. It's real hot, which is weird. So my in-laws were here this last weekend, and it was uh, overcast. So it was Memorial Day weekend this last weekend. So I had a three-day weekend. Of course, Alyssa did not. You know, that's just the life of a, of a medical resident. So um, she did have Saturday and Sunday off, but so her, her, her parents came on Friday and then they left Tuesday morning. And so it was overcast and rainy all weekend, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday, overcast and rainy. So um, we, <laughs> it was, it was nice. It, it was actually nice to get the rain and, and it was nice and cool and um, I really liked that a lot. Um, it was good. And, you know, we didn't get to go out on a dirt bike ride, unfortunately. Uh, usually when my father-in-law is here, I like to do that. But we didn't get to do that. Um, we probably could have. But, um, you know, we just elected not to. We didn't want to get rained on, you know. And, um, yeah. So, uh, so instead, we just ate a lot of food. Uh, went out to eat a bunch. And... Got some gardening done. I tried to talk them out of it, but my in-laws insisted on getting some plants. And actually, with Alyssa, I think Alyssa wanted to do it too. So they wanted to get some plants, and um, and they did. So my contribution was I pushed the cart at the nursery, and they got a bunch of plants. And uh, I kind of assisted in planting them and then getting the drip lines attached and, and hooked up to them, which was the first time I run the drip this year. Uh, so it was, it was nice to see that, as far as I could tell, there weren't any leaks. Uh, so we did that, got plants put in, set up drip line, went out to eat a bunch, and that was really it. Um, yeah, a couple days in a row, got a little sauced, have a little, you know, in terms of like drinking alcohol. I have a little strategy when it comes to that uh, these days where I pregame before we go out. That way I can kind of enjoy what I'm drinking when we go out. Uh, and I'll, I'll take a shot or two of tequila, uh, cause it's, it's the booze that I have laying around that, um, I'm kind of used to at this point. And, and then I'm able to enjoy and get, you know, maintain my buzz once we go out. But I'm realizing that I, I think there's some sort of a plateau, um, and maybe this is genetic, but, uh, it seems like, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll, I'll go out and I'll take one shot of tequila before I go out and then I'll have like one margarita when I'm out and I'll be pretty well buzzing and it doesn't seem to correlate with how much food is in my, in my stomach either. Um, although my sample size for that particular variable is a little bit small, but let's, let's just, let's just say that that's not a factor here. There will be other times where I'll take two shots of tequila before I go out. And then I had, 
several more items to drink while we were out, and uh, I didn't I didn't feel any more. In fact, felt less uh, intoxicated than the time ride. Only had one shot of tequila and then one margarita when I went out. So very interesting how things work like that. Seems like it cycles through me really quickly. Not sure what the deal is with that. Um, but yeah, so did a little bit of that this weekend. Um, yeah, as far as three day weekends go, it was, it's kind of a bummer just, you know, that the weather was not great and, and the dog was shitting everywhere. You know, in my last podcast, I mentioned that, um, Macy got bit by another dog and, uh, and so I had, I bandaged her up and I basically just use a, a cotton round and some athletic tape to kind of tape it to her fur. And then, uh, I made her wear a little sweater so that it would cover it, um, because it's right behind her front leg. And the sweater would cover it so that she couldn't get at it. And the tape and all that would stay on. And uh, so like the second night that we did that, um, I realized, I don't know why. Because the first night went just fine. But the second night, for whatever reason, I thought, okay, well this, this night I need to put her onesie on. Which is like kind of exactly what it sounds like. Like a kid's onesie. So it's like a shirt. But then it's got these like loops that her legs go through so it's like full-blown encapsulated her tail sticks out and there's like a hole for her to poop if she needed to but i think she would pee on it if she were to squat but anyway it's kind of looped down around around her legs so she's she's in it and then i even put the cone on her uh which is kind of like a fabric cone and come down in the morning and that some bitch she <laughs> she she had ripped her onesie uh, so that just her front legs were still in, but it was all torn up, uh, you know, kind of like what would be her waist or her hips down. And, and so her legs were out of it. And then the cone was still on, but like half her bandage was missing, including the cotton swab and two of the three pieces of athletic tape. So I never did find them. So I, I came to the conclusion that she had eaten them, which is not really that far out uh, from the realm of possibilities. I think I had mentioned in a previous podcast where this damn dog had chewed up the rag that I used to wipe off her feet and then later threw it up. Well, this was kind of a similar situation. So, uh, yeah, that led into several days, probably four or five days of her shitting every two to three hours or whatever. Um, and then overnight, two to three times down in the basement, which again... Like I mentioned before, I really appreciate that she goes down to the basement, but it's unfortunate that she keeps doing that. And she does this thing where she'll she'll shit on the concrete first, uh, and then like like the first night, and then the second night when she's got to do multiple shits, it's like, oh no, I already did that. So she'll go over to the mats where uh, I have my workout equipment set up. Um, you know those uh, those those tiles that are like square pieces with little. Um, like puzzle piece type edges all around the, all four edges that they all kind of uh, hook together and she'll go over there and shit on that. And, uh, you know, that wouldn't be so bad if it was like a solid shit, but since it's like watery diarrhea type thing, it seeps through the cracks and, you know, I'm over there doing my workout. So it's like, <laughs> that's unfortunate, but I did, I figured out a way I built up a little wall there with uh, the luggage that we had down in the basement so that she couldn't access the the half of the basement where all my workout stuff was and so keep her shitting on the concrete which is you know kind of the best situation because they can just you know pick it up 
and then I, uh, you know, I allowed her to be outside all day with us while we were, uh, not really all day, but for several hours while we were out there doing, doing the planting of the, uh, the plants out in front of the house. And so she hung out with us out there so that I could keep an eye on her and, and so that she could be out there with us and thought I was doing a good job keeping an eye on her so that she wasn't, you know, eating bark or whatever, but you know, somehow she got some bark or got some old weeds or whatever. And, and so then that night she threw up and she's so weird, man. Like she, she will go all the way down to the basement to shit, but throwing up is a whole different thing to her. Like she, she will just throw up in her bed all over it and still sleep in it. And it's not a big deal. I just, I don't understand. I just don't get it. Maybe it's because it comes out of the other hole. I'm not sure. But so that was nasty. Had to clean that up. Always love that. Uh, it was, it was, she puked down the side of her bed and then it ran under her bed on the flat piece of plywood because I, I have her bed sitting up on a pedestal. Uh, so down under the bed and on that piece of plywood, just soaking into the bottom of the bed. It was a lot of puke. It was pretty nasty. So in the morning, I woke up to, a pukey bed uh, with little shards of, uh, you know, old old weeds or, or bark slivers or whatever all over the place. And then go down in the basement and there's a puddle of what looks like pee but may have just been like liquid bile that she threw up. And uh, a couple of piles of shit on the mat. That's because this was before I had realized that I needed to put up some luggage to keep her from going over there. So I was not in the best of spirits after that event and you know it it uh it did get better from there uh fortunately and and she did end up passing the uh athletic tape and cotton pad eventually which was good i was glad to see that finally come out she didn't throw it up she didn't she didn't have any you know uh throwing up issues with the exception of that uh the bark or whatever she was eating and i was surprised that that she didn't throw up the uh uh, the athletic tape and the cotton pad like she had thrown up the towel before. So, I mean, she was still pooping. And so at, at that point in time, I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to take her to the vet because she's still passing, passing food. You know, she's still pooping and she's still drinking and peeing and stuff. So, you know, eventually it'll just come out. And, and she had to have gotten it into small enough pieces to consume it. So that would logically lead me to believe that she could get it into small enough pieces to shit it out. So she ultimately did uh, one of the poops did have it in it that I was able to see. So from then on, it was kind of like more solid poops and she's now on a more or less regular poop schedule. So that's a lot of dog poop talk. Um, yeah, so that, uh, that kind of happened. Yeah. Not, not a whole lot to report really on, on the in-laws being here this weekend. You know, it's always, um, it's always different having people in the house because it's like all of a sudden the house goes from like basically being just me and Macy and Alyssa sometimes to like like 200% the population. You know, I've got two new people who are here like all the time and don't have cars of their own or don't have uh, obligations outside of the house. So it's like, you know, no matter what, every time it's a, it's a slight adjustment. I think I'm, I'm getting a little more lax on, on my... Uh, my compulsions or my like house rules. And so I don't, I don't get so bent out of shape up about those. Um, but it's still, you know, like I said, it's still a, um, a thing every time they come they come over. It's, it, it's, you know, it's different. It's something they got to get used to. Um, not like it's a bad thing or anything, but you know, 
just another facet to life. I guess I'm going to have to get used to that at some point to, uh, to get accustomed to having kids when that, when we finally get to that. So yeah. So that's, uh, that's what was going on. Uh, let's see here. I did want to talk about something and I, I think I alluded to it last time and, and, um, I saved it for this one. Um, so I wanted to talk about uh, print media and, and like clickbait. And so I actually, um, so my, my initial topic was uh, that, that print media authors, um, and when I say print media, I, I'm kind of just, I'm, I'm throwing out like a broad term here and, and I'm going to make some generalizations. Um, but I'm, I'm referring to like any written word, whether it be uh, a newspaper, an online article, any type of written word, um, and and I'm gonna stick to that uh, m- more so than like say TV media, although that might that might come into play here. So let's let's just get into it. So during during Donald Trump's presidency, um, I didn't realize it then, but it became obvious to me later, uh, maybe even pretty recently, that uh, he and the media were not on the best of terms and 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 Donald Trump always made it a point to uh, either like harass the media or like call them out for for things that they're doing and, and basically kind of kind of turned everybody's attention to the media and a lot of the the what I'm going to characterize as shisty methods that they use for things and so um, I kind of fell victim for that um, as well, you know, like I, I am not, um, in, uh, insusceptible, unsusceptible, if that's a word. Uh, it's not as if I am not susceptible to that type of influence as it turns out. And, and so, you know, that was one of those things where it's like, yeah, you know, he's, he's pretty right about that. Like, fuck those guys, the, you know, the media, right. And, and so, um, I just wanted to, to kind of touch base on that. And, and I still, um, I don't know exactly how to describe it because I don't want to say that I have no respect for them or that I don't like them, um, but it's annoying to me. So let's let's uh, let's go with that. But I, I and so I'll, I'll circle back around to, to kind of a positive note and some realizations here at, at the end of this thing. But so the print media in my mind uh, and again, this is. I'll, I'll loop like the news media, like actually talking video media as well. So just let's just say media in general. I feel like they're like salesmen uh, in that salespeople, if you like, um, in that a lot of the time, uh, let's say with an article, especially uh, it, it's especially obvious and e- easy to point to. You'll, you'll see the headline of the article, the title of the article, you know, I'll be scrolling through like the verge or something. And the title of the article will be something really provocative and attention grabbing. And oftentimes I've noticed that the article is intentionally what seems to be intentionally misleading. Let's just say it misleads me. I have I have an expectation about what the contents of the article is before I even click on it to read it based off of the title. And uh, that's really annoying, right? So if, if, uh, if there's like a, a straight up lie or like an exaggeration or like, you know, like for instance, Israel continues to bomb Palestine or whatever, you know, like that, that, that completely leaves out. Like if I didn't know anything about what was going on, that completely leaves out the fact that there's kind of bombs going in both directions, right? 
So it, it makes it seem kind of one-sided, making Israel look like a bunch of bullies type of thing. And and to be fair, it's to be fair, uh, it's uh, it's not lying, right? And so that's that's a point that I talked about with Josh Dewey is is you may not be lying, but uh, you're still not telling the whole truth, and you are intentionally misleading because you you recognize that the way that you're telling a story while not telling a, a straight up lie. The way that you tell the story uh, leads the listener to believe something that is not necessarily the case, and that's you know, like I, like I had mentioned before, it's 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 the responsibility, I believe, of the listener as well as the speaker to make sure. So it's the responsibility of the speaker to make sure that the speak the listener understands what they're saying, but it's also the responsibility of the listener to make sure that they are fully understanding what the message is. And so um, I think it's, I think it's shysty, um, but I'll circle back again, like I said, to um, some realizations about that and some more of a positive note. And, and, um, and so I feel like it's, it's sensational media. And I guess I shouldn't be surprised because that is what seems to get our attention. I, I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan, and one thing that keeps coming up, uh, you know, Joe Rogan often, he, he repeats a lot of things, you know, because he talks to a lot of different people, so every time he talks to a new person, the same thought that he has comes up about the same issue, right? And so, you know, sometimes it'll evolve, but one of his things is, um, you know, he talks about uh, social media and how social media has essentially exacerbated some of the shittier parts of human nature, which is that we we engage more with uh, negative things than with positive things uh, in the sense that like, you know, if you find something that you disagree with online, you're more likely to engage with it, whether that be just watching it or commenting on it, than if it were something that you agree with, you might just, you know, kind of skip over it, watch it. And yeah, okay, whatever that confirms my beliefs, let me move on. And so, you know, I guess it's not really surprising that media especially print media where they they use these clickbaity types uh, uh titles um to grab your attention and suck you into reading the article but you know somebody somebody like me who has very little tolerance for reading in general you suck me in and then and then the story isn't nearly as interesting or isn't at all what the title was uh what's what the title seemed to imply to me um then i just don't even bother and it's gotten it's almost gotten to the point where oftentimes I just won't even click on these things because I I have a feeling like I know that that's what's going on. So I'm just like, yeah, well, this is just a sensational title and the contents of the article are probably not that interesting. So don't even bother. And so um, I don't know, like it, it, it's kind of getting to the point where, you know, if that's the case, then the titles have to get progressively more and more sensational just to grab your attention, just to pull you in to read this article, right? And the, which is the point, you know, they need those clicks for the advertising money or whatever. And uh, so I guess I'm kind of perpetuating um, or exactly, or, or probably accentuating the the negative aspect of that, that I, that I'm talking about here that I, is pretty annoying to me. So I don't know what to think about that. I'm just kind of realizing that as I'm talking through it right now. But, um, man, God, that's annoying. It's just so annoying. And I, I liken them to salespeople because they'll, they'll, 
they're selling you on an idea. Uh, let's take it back to the, the Verge example, like where I'm scrolling through tons of articles, you know, and, and so all I see is the title and uh, a little thumbnail. And so um, they're like salespeople and that they, they put the most provocative thing right up front so that it grabs your attention and they pull you in. And so they're, they're trying to sell you on an idea to try and get you to click that article to read it. And these people, you know, they got to make a living. Uh, the folks in media and the folks in sales, they got to make a living. And, and I suppose I see the need for them to be there because, you know, they're, they're sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? You don't know what you need, uh, or you don't know that you might be able to use something or something might be a better solution to what, your what your challenge is than what you're already using unless you see something better right and and so that's kind of taking it to the the engineering side that i can relate to uh that's kind of like how our salespeople operate right they, they pitch these different products that might meet uh, a certain need that a customer has and the customer didn't know that it was out there so that's a valuable thing and then they keep on them to make sure that they the parts get ordered and 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 all that kind of stuff but Man, it just it just seems so deceptive and I'm I'm glad that I'm not on the receiving end of that type of sales stuff because I feel like I would just have so little patience for that. Um but again, you know, I I recognize that that is a a profession, that that is something that people do. Uh but you know, I maintain that that is annoying. I I don't like that. Uh, I don't necessarily respect that type of mentality. Uh, and so like the whole like salesperson mentality is not something that I'm okay with. Uh, you know, it's not something that I like for myself. And I even said to Josh Dewey, cause he was, he essentially has that mentality. He admitted to it and, and kind of enjoyed it, I think. But I, I was like, man, you know, if we weren't already friends, I would have some serious beef with that. Cause that just seems wrong to me you know i i would rather keep things i'd rather keep things honest you know i always like to err on the side of of uh full truth even overly truthful when it comes to communicating with others uh in my professional life but i i see how that can be valuable in certain instances so it's i i don't know i kind of flip-flop on this my overall impression of it is that it's bad uh i'm not into that um you should tell the whole truth uh, is is my impression and and not try to corner somebody with strategic omissions and, and things of that nature. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that. You know, I always dread, I, I, I dread dealing with salespeople, but at the same time, like, like for instance, at a car lot, the few times that we've gone in there and and dealt with people at at uh, like a car dealership, I'm 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 kind of dreading it, but also at the same time I take it as a challenge, and and I don't like that aspect of like taking it as a challenge, uh, which which kind of makes it seem like a an us versus them, a me versus that person type of situation. And I don't like that, you know. I I want us to work together, and I want. I want my questions to be answered truthfully and wholly, you know, W-H-O-L-E, whole, wholly. Uh, and uh, I want to know everything that I'm asking. And, and I feel like this with, with salespeople, I don't know. 
uh, my strategy with salespeople when it comes to cars is just, uh, you know, I do my own research. Chances are I'm going to do more specific research than they have been taught in their, you know, little bit of, of um, training, which gets them, you know, over the hump of dealing with most most people who buy cars. Uh, so I just do my, my own research so that I know more than they know other than uh, about the vehicle other than, you know, specific nuances regarding say dealer financing and, and, uh, promotions going on and things like that. So my strategy is generally to have that research done and then come in there and not engage with them in the slightest, or at least not pay much attention to them as much as I can. Um, and, and by the time I'm in there, all I really want to do is test drive it and kind of look around anyway. So I don't need them talking and, and that sort of thing. So I get to the point where the only thing I really need them for is to pass me off to finance when I'm ready to do that. Um, so that's my, that's my strategy with salespeople. But I guess as long as you know that going in, that these salespeople are there to sell you something and they're not, you know, their job is to sell their job is not to be honest with you. <clears throat> and so I'm not saying that they're all liars. I'm just saying that they get paid on sales. And so, you know, there's no incentive for them to be straight up telling you the whole truth. You know, they're, they're probably not going to, you know, straight up lie to you, but there may be some omissions. There may be some like them saying yes, when it's really a, I don't know. And that's what really bothers me. And when somebody uh, just makes a complete affirmative when it, when they really don't know the answer. So, um, you know, they're looking to make a sale and the same with print media folks. And so bringing this all back without repeating myself too much, even though I know that I already have, um, I know they got to make a buck just like everybody else. So, um, I was, I was susceptible to the same animosity toward the media that Trump was, was promoting during his presidency and that seems to have stuck at this this time um and so you know people people are still have some animosity towards media and i hope honestly i hope that it drives some change in print media or in just in media in general so that it doesn't become so sensationalized it doesn't become or it it becomes less biased toward uh, a particular political leaning or something like that i would like to just you know, have the facts when it comes to the media and even, even just print media in general, I guess with, with something as benign as like tech news, I guess it's not that big of a deal to me, but when it comes to like current events and things that, that spark emotions about other people, then, then that's, that's the type of thing where I feel like it's important that you be honest and <clears throat> give facts rather than interpretations of facts, which is, you know, it's often hard to tell the difference between those two things. But uh, if, you, if you think about something, uh, you can oftentimes delineate, you know, facts from interpretations of facts. You know, like observations are often biased in, in a particular way. And so um, if you can just get the facts, you know, if I can just get the facts, I would, I would always prefer that. So that's, that was kind of, that was the thing that I had saved up, uh, from last time that I brought up just that, um, you know, I'm trying to be more receptive to media and, and trying to recognize the struggles that they go through and, and they're just trying to get, you know, they're trying to make a buck and the way that they can make a buck is to get people to engage with their content. And unfortunately, uh, the best way to get people to engage with content is to exploit their, their, 
natural tendencies toward, uh, you know, being drawn toward negativity and, and, uh, strife and struggles and hatred and violence and us versus them mentality and things like that. So, um, yeah, it's a real bummer. Um, but also just, just wanted to touch on another thing. Um, I, I, uh, I'd mentioned in one of the waste of time podcasts that I don't really get too passionate about things generally. And, uh, I think, I think that's still a good thing. I think I've actually mentioned that several times on this podcast. I don't really get too passionate about things. Um, and because I feel like, you know, in order to get really passionate about something, you would have had to have formed an opinion and, and kind of picked a side. And so you would have gotten passionate for that side or against the other side, whatever it happens to be, uh, or maybe both. But um, I never feel like I have enough information to fully like pick a side. Like for instance, on this print media thing, like my overwhelming intuition on, or I keep saying print media, but just media in general, my overwhelming intuition on this thing or, or, or um, tendency is, is to just say, no, fuck those guys. Like that's, it's a dick move what they're doing. They're, they're intentionally deceiving people and, and that's not right. But I recognize again that they got to make a buck. They got to make money. These people got to make money. And so, you know, it's tough. Um, that's probably one of those things where I, I, I tend to start off kind of passionate about it and, and just like, you know, I don't like being lied to. I don't like being deceived. And I think a lot of people would agree with me there. Um, but then I try and rein it back, you know, because they're just, they're just, they're people too. And, um, you know, they are a bit, when it comes to like media, they are removed from the reactions of their audience. And so it's not like they're sitting there having a conversation. So, um, I do feel like they have some responsibility, but we also have some responsibility, I think, to recognize what's going on and, and maybe step back and, and take a second look, get a second opinion from another news source, hopefully one that's, that's truly neutral and, uh, you know, go about it that way. But, uh, coming back to like passion about things. Yeah. I just, I, I think it's more valuable for me not to get passionate about things. I think it's more valuable in general, not to get passionate about particular issues because you're not blinded by your ideas that become your identity. You know, if I don't, if I don't pick a side. If I don't let my ideas, my, um, uh, my, picking aside whatever side it is on a particular issue if I don't let that particular side become my identity then I won't feel so inclined to defend it to the death without taking in new information you know I, I would always like to take new information in and and see how it fits with my understanding and and you know if there are scientific studies and it's kind of for me undeniable at that point um if uh if there's some sort of a correlation that you can clearly see, then that, you know, I guess not undeniable, but that it's, it's, it can be undeniable that there's a correlation. It just mounts the evidence in, in a particular direction. So I don't ever, I don't want to get to the point where I'm not able to take in new information because I, I believe so strongly in a particular side. And so, um, for that reason, and probably just for just the innate, um, way that I am, I, I don't, like to be and I'm not real passionate about things. You know, I, I want to be able to uh, have thought experiments and, uh, you know, even if they're 
particularly provocative. You know, I don't want to get upset and I want I don't want to let my emotions get in the way of having a stimulating conversation and maybe learning something new about myself, about others, about you know, just uh the world in general. Uh I don't want I don't want my emotions to stop that from happening. So I feel like that's that's one benefit, but it it's also I think easy for me to sit here and, and talk about the benefits of not being passionate about something because I honestly think that it's just in my nature not not to be real passionate about that. Um, and I'm not sure why that is. I'm not sure why it's it's it seems like it's in my nature not to be super passionate about stuff, but it seems to be the case because um, I don't, you know, even even if I'm I'm trying to be aware about things and and trying to you know give people the benefit of the doubt or or walk a mile in somebody else's shoes before I judge them or whatever. Um, there, there seems to be some, you know, ingrained, uh, way of thinking in me that, that just doesn't, doesn't immediately go to picking a side passionately. Right. So that I can, I can have a leaning initially, but, uh, oftentimes won't linger on something. And it, maybe that's a millennial thing. Maybe I just, I lose focus on that issue, so I just don't spend time thinking about it. And then I don't pick a side. I don't ruminate on it, or at least I don't anymore. But um, yeah, so that's interesting. I, I, I think a lot of, it seems like a lot of people do get passionate, or maybe that's just the vocal minority online who, who get really passionate about things, but it also seems like they're, they don't know the whole story necessarily. So um, yeah. I don't want to get passionate about things because I don't want to appear ignorant when the opposite side seems to be the much more logical, rational, uh, objectively obvious, uh, better side, right? So um, maybe it's a defense mechanism. You could say it's a defense mechanism that I don't get passionate because I don't ever want to be wrong. If I don't pick a side, I can never be wrong, right? Well, that was kind of... I can't be wrong, right? Kind of silly. Unlike uh, Josh Dewey, I don't have the curse of uh, always being right. Uh, so I just don't pick a side and then I'm at least never wrong, right? So that's, <laughs> I just did it again. So that uh, that method works for me. Um, keeps me from putting my foot in my mouth too much. Um, I can, uh, uh, I can, relate to a lot of different people that way and and not rule out talking to different people that way so i don't know seems valuable to me so uh that's all i got for you today uh, on a thursday evening uh yeah i think i'm gonna call it here it's a nice uh nice good amount of time for you so wherever you are whatever you're up to i hope you're having a good morning good day good evening whatever it happens to be when you're listening to this and I will catch you on the next one. Be good. <laughs>